Christ is risen. Indeed he is risen. The, um, tonight we uh, commemorate um, an important English uh, Orthodox saint, perhaps one of the most important ones. Uh, he's known as the Venerable Bede. I used to always wonder about that as an Anglican and why he was called the Venerable instead of Saint Bede. Uh, in the uh, Anglican tradition, Venerable is a title given to an archdeacon, which is actually a priest, which is to confuse things. And uh, well, I knew some Venerables, uh, but it wasn't until I became Orthodox and learned that monastic saints are given the title Venerable. So St. Seraphim of Seraph is proper title, for instance, is the Venerable Seraphim of Seraph, because he's a monastic saint. And also Bede is a monk. He was a monk born in the late, around 680 AD, so in the 600s, late 600s. Uh, he was apparently as a child, so we don't know if he was orphaned early or what, but raised in the monastery of Jarrow, which is in towards the north of England, uh, uh, throughout his childhood. So he, he kind of grew up in the monastery. That was not unusual at the time for a variety of reasons, what with, uh, you know, various kinds of diseases running through. Uh, but he became trained and very, very proficient in the scriptures, uh, in Greek and in Latin. He was a highly educated monk, especially for England in the 680s. And uh, he uh, wrote a number of scripture commentaries that we have. But what he is perhaps most famous for is he wrote, uh, around the year 700, early 700s, he wrote a history of the Church of England, basically a history of Christianity in England. And that's actually very early uh, in that. So he is, um, he writes, he, he, he actually is an extremely well done history. Everywhere he is able to document what he says, he tells you about the documents. And he, he like a modern historian would do, he, he likes to cite his sources. Uh, he has wonderful stories in there of various saints. Uh, he talks about uh, the coming of the uh, Angles and Saxons, his own ancestry, how they came into England, which was only, they didn't come in until about 500 AD. Before that, it was just uh, sort of what we would think of today as Welsh, uh, throughout most of England, the Scots and the Picts. Uh, he told us a little bit about them, but we still don't know who they are, other than their name meant uh, the guys with tattoos. So apparently it was just sailors up north in, in Scotland area. But uh, a few things about the Irish as well, about the Celtic Church, which were the first Christians uh, in uh, the British Isles, both in Britain and in uh, Ireland. Um, but uh, Bede himself is uh, a testament to how quickly, uh, sort of over the course of two centuries, the uh, Anglo-Saxons uh, converted to Christianity. They had one king, there was about five different Anglo-Saxon kingdoms and all like that, and they were constantly warring with each other, besides anybody else that would, you know, get into a fight with them. Um, but uh, they, uh, they had one king deconvert, uh, and that became a real problem. Uh, the king Penda uh, reverted from Christianity back to paganism and persecuted the church. But he tells wonderful stories over the course of about a hundred years or so. There was something like 27 what we would call canonized saints 
among the royal families of Britain. Uh, very interesting. And many of them would uh, reach a point in life, renounce their throne, enter a monastery. Uh, there was the incredible kind of interesting phenomenon in Britain of what were called double monasteries. That would be male and female monasteries. Um, in fact, uh, the most, one of the most famous ones, the Monastery of Whitby, uh, which is up on the, uh, up on the northern coast of Britain, uh, Hilda of Whitby uh, served as the abbess over both men and women. Uh, and so the very interesting kind of pattern how all of that was uh, in England. Highly educated, more educated at that time than were the monasteries on most of the continent. In fact, it was missionaries from England, Scotland, and Ireland who uh, went to Northern Europe and carried the gospel to them. Uh, men like Willibord and uh, St. Olaf, the various ones that carried the gospel to the, the Northern Germanic tribes uh, come out of that. There's a little book a few years back called How the Irish Saved Civilization, uh, written by an Irishman, Cahill, uh, who essentially put forward the idea that all of that work was done by the Irish as if the English hadn't done anything. And that's not, it's, it's really, the, the Irish did a lot of work, but so did the English and so did the Scots. And so it was, it was a British Isles work. Uh, I, I say this tonight because to me, uh, you know, as someone who's, who's of that ancestry and, uh, and it, living in a land that is directly connected these days through much uh, populations here in the southeast uh, with all of that, uh, as Orthodox Christians, to know something, you know, that I, I've tried I've been several years back when we did our Celtic festival, I did a talk on this, that uh, when we're doing Orthodoxy, it, though it may seem exotic, like Greek or Russian or something like that, it's as English as the day is long. It was the first church in the British Isles. Uh, and I've, I've had opportunity to travel in Britain and to speak uh, and be with the Orthodox there today. And the church is very much coming alive, uh, the Orthodox church. Very interesting things going on, uh, the gradual growth. There's now a Romanian monastery in Ireland, not the new one in Scotland. There's a Romanian monastery in Ireland. And uh, interesting things going on. So, um, But Bede is it's sort of a living reminder of, uh, of, of what all of that is. If you read his, his book, which is simply called The History of the Church of England by the Venerable Bede, uh, you can find it online. I've even got a little edition at home nicely annotated that is uh, Latin on one page. He wrote it in Latin. Latin on one page and, and English on the other. And the Latin is extremely good. It's not just kind of later Latin. It's extremely readable Latin. But I would recommend reading it. It's a, I mean, there's a lot of lives of saints in it. It's a little history, so it's great bedtime reading because it'll help you sleep. And uh, I love reading history because it, it does just that. But um, so I, I would just encourage you, uh, somewhere in your reading, um, in England, once upon a time, up until maybe just the last few years, it was required reading of all school children. Everybody had to read their bead. It was the first history of England. And so you had to read your bead, you had to read Julius Caesar's account of his war in Britain, but you had to read your bead. So anyway, I encourage you tonight in good Orthodox fashion, read your bead. And uh, 
you know, and, and you'll benefit from it. Uh, have some wonderful names, and uh, especially look up the story of Saint Drithel. Uh, who uh, I'll tell you it real quick. Saint Drithel tells the story. Drithel died and went to hell, and he comes back and he tells everybody about what happened to him. He died and went to hell, and he said it was cold. I don't know, just a different experience, but he said it was really cold, and he came back, sold everything he had, and became a monk. And then St. Trithlin was known during the winter months to go down to the river, cut a hole in the ice, and stand in the water up to his waist and pray. And this is, this is a direct quote from Bede. They would ask him, Drithon, isn't that cold? And he would say, I've known it colder. <laughs> These are great saints, easy to be compared with all the great ones of Greece and Russia and the elsewhere in Europe. So read your bead. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. I think Father's doing the panahita here. So join, get candles and join us. Join me in praying.